Though I'm an employee of Ronald Blue Trust, Talking Money represents my individual views and not those of my employer or any sponsor of the program. During the program, I may discuss market trends as well as specific financial planning techniques and investment ideas. These discussions are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations to any individual or organization. Work with your attorney or accounting or investment professional for specific individual advice and services. Any securities or investment products discussed on Talking Money are not insured by the FDIC, are not a deposit or other obligation of or guaranteed by any bank, and are subject to investment risks, including possible loss of principal amount invested. And Talking Money is brought to you by Ronald Blue Trust. Uh, so pleased to have uh, them as a sponsor or us as a sponsor. And with offices uh, around the country, 16 of offices around the country. And, uh, of course, in Charlotte, if you're listening on a podcast in the Charlotte, North Carolina area or in the upstate of South Carolina, you can always listen live on Get the App from the, the Answer, the 94.5 WGTK The Answer app. You can listen live anywhere in the world. Or you can always listen on the podcast, if anybody can, even if you've listened to this show live, as we're on every Saturday morning at 10 o'clock. You can always hear the replay of this as you go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com. If you want to send a question, send it to Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. And, uh, of course, during the show, we can always take a live phone call. So 877-235-235. 9405. Paul will be happy to take that phone call, put you on hold, and we'll get you in the queue and try to answer that question as soon as we can. We're talking about retirement income, and I think, unfortunately, many people design their portfolio to just avoid the risk of volatility without thinking about the risk of loss of purchasing power, and their portfolio is not designed well enough to last their lifetime. And even maybe just as important for some people to leave a legacy uh, to their children, their grandchildren, probably more importantly their grandchildren, and to provide some money for them, they invested so conservatively that they just didn't grow enough because there was such a fear of volatility. So I think a ways to avoid, at least reduce that fear of volatility, is to have a well-diversified portfolio, which, of course, the Bible talks about, giving having a well-diversified portfolio. Spending less than you make is a a tried-and-true biblical principle that's just good common sense. If you do that over a long period of time, you'll do well, do at least better financially uh, than you would if you didn't do that. That doesn't mean you're going to be uh, unusually wealthy, but it does mean that you should be satisfied and you should have less stress for money because you bought less than you earned, paid and bought things that were less than you made. So you had some kind of cushion there. And those who are really fearful about things that are going on in the economy with the the federal government even increasing more so the the national debt and the deficit going up so much, uh, especially this year, that one of the, I think, best ways to help reduce that stress is to, to get out of debt as soon as you can. Your mortgage, your car loans, your charge cards, whatever. I think the more out of debt you are, the less stress you will be as different things happen in the market because you're not your monthly expenses are just going to be more uh, manageable I think if you are in that kind of environment so we're talking about the different ways to create income so if you had a million dollars and you put it all in fixed income and you made three percent you got your thirty thousand a year that you wanted 
but if you divided it up into maybe 60% growth and 40% of fixed income, that you have a chance of making even more money on average, not every year, but you're going to have maybe $40,000, $45,000 that you get on average from that portfolio. And maybe even still, depending on what the market does, maybe even have still some set aside that you'd want to have to have for growth. So that portfolio is going to keep up with inflation. So you don't want to take all the income off of the portfolio because you've got to be able to reinvest so that as prices go up, you're there with it. So you can increase your interest income from the bonds. Um, of course, by having fewer bonds and buying more growth investments, but some people will say, well, I mean, I'm going to invest in these other bonds. They are lower grade, lower quality bonds, but their interest rate is higher. So they pay higher interest rate. That looks good, but then you're exposed to more credit risk. Or the bonds will have to be longer maturity. So the longer, typically, the duration or the maturity, duration is a factor of maturity. If you have the the longer that is, the more susceptible that bond is or that bond fund is to changes in interest rate. So a 30-year Treasury bond is going to go up a lot more than a two-year Treasury bond when interest rates go down. Consequently, when interest rates go up, that 30-year Treasury bond is going to go down in price. If you try to sell it before the 30 years is up or need to for some other reason, that price is going to go down because it has such a long time till you get your money back. Somebody else doesn't want to buy your bond that's not due for another 20 years if they can buy a new bond that's paying a higher rate. So it makes your bond worth less. Now, as long as you keep it to maturity, it's, you're still going to get your money back. So you don't have the risk of... of Lack of return to your money. You're not going to get the money back. That's not there. So, that, But that's one way to do it. But you have to be careful how much. I'm not opposed to having some of your money in the lower quality bonds, but just understand the risk that you're exposing yourself to when you do that. The other way people do that, I mentioned a little bit before the break, was chasing the high dividends through stocks that produce more current income. But sometimes that can have some negative consequences. Why is there a current income? that The high, higher dividend Higher current dividend may be there because the stock price just went down a bunch. Now, there again, that could be a reason to buy. I get a higher dividend because the stock price went down, but as long as the stock price didn't go down because the company was now having financial difficulties, which may give an indicator for a longer-term problem, which means they may be reducing that dividend. If you buy a stock that's gone down in price, the dividend's higher because they haven't adjusted the dividend to reflect their current earnings, and then three months later, six months later, they reduce that dividend. Well, the stock price is probably going to go down again even more. And your dividend yield, of course, is going to go down because they dropped that dividend price. So you can ask many, many people that I've talked to over the years who've had stocks that paid a good dividend that for some reason stopped paying that good dividend. And they just felt like, oh, that's a big company. It's always going to pay a good dividend. But that's not always the case. So there's an article in Barron's today, this weekend. This is the May 18th issue. For those who may be listening to a podcast later. So this is May 18th, 2020 issue. And this particular author, said Lawrence Strauss, he talks about two particular mutual funds, the Vanguard Dividend Appreciation and the Wisdom Tree U.S. Quality Dividend Growth Fund. They're both buying dividend, higher paying dividend stocks. They key on dividend stocks. They don't buy smaller stocks and mid-sized company stocks that don't pay dividends. They, they want to use in, uh, stocks that pay dividends. So he pulled out eight stocks from the 
the top holdings of those two funds. And they range from Verizon, Procter & Gamble, Johnson & Johnson, Comcast, Merck, McDonald's, PepsiCo, and Medtronic. So a lot of companies, it's a, probably you're, you're familiar with virtually all of those companies. Well, the dividends range from a high of Verizon, which is 4.4% as of this uh, this article, down to 2.3% was the lowest, and that's Medtronic. The rest of them were somewhere in between. So many of them in the mid to high twos, a few of them threes. So that's the dividends you're getting for that. So he then gave a, another column that said, what's the performance of those stocks since February 19th? So that goes anywhere from a, a negative 1.2% for J&J, &J, Johnson & Johnson, which has a 2.7, one of the lower dividend yields, anywhere to a minus 23.1% for Comcast, 18.1% for McDonald's, 163 for Medtronic, 87 for PepsiCo's, and 87 for Procter & Gamble. So all these companies went down. That's how much they... If you if you'd bought the stock just before that for that dividend, and now it's down, of course, one of the reasons the dividend is higher like that is because it the the price went down. So then you got to you got to decide then what am I going to look at now? If you if you looked at nothing else, I've actually told some people to do this before in the past. If you look at nothing else, so if you don't look at your statements, you don't look at the paper. You make some investments in some good high quality companies like this and leave it alone for ten years. And you keep getting your dividend. As far as you know, the companies are doing fine. As long as the dividend keeps coming to you, well, I think the companies must be doing fine. You're not going to even notice these kind of drops in prices because you're not looking at it. You're getting your dividend. That's all you bought it for. That's fine, especially with a company that, that annually or fairly regularly increases their, their dividends. And most of these increased them uh, just recently. So April, there's two... Two of them, April 2021, January 2020, the rest of them were 2019. Well, here's May 2021, just just increased it. Uh, PepsiCo did. So they can increase the dividends, and you're going to think the company's doing even better and not realizing what's going on behind the scenes with that particular company. So even though some of those companies, those dividends may be higher than what you might get in a bond fund, uh, there's still risks there that aren't in typically in a bond fund. So you want to be careful and just have your expectations there, but still not a bad place to, to put money, I don't think at all. You just have to know, being careful about chasing higher dividends, the higher the dividends could indicate a, a, a different financial problem that uh, the longer-term growth prospects, and I've talked about this before in previous um, radio shows and podcasts about the dividends is actually part of your growth. So it's really a, a matter of do I want to get my taxable income now by dividend or I'd rather use a invest in a company that doesn't have the dividends, still still just as successful as a company, but they're putting their dividends back instead of paying dividends, they're paying they're putting their profits back into the company for growth. So that's going to convert your income from just current income coming in, whether you want it or not, to long-term capital gains probably when you want to take that long-term capital gains. And then, of course, not a very nice way to get rid of that capital gain, but the estate planning laws are still such that you get a step up in basis at death. So you could have a couple of stocks for your lifetime. They'll grow up a bunch in, in price during that time and value. And then you pass, you die, your spouse or your children get a step up in basis, which means they're not going to pay any tax on all that gain that whole time, which gives it a, of course, a distinct advantage over that. So when we get back to the break, we'll talk about 
looking at your portfolio as buckets. You may not actually put them physically in buckets, but it's a way for you to look at your portfolio, I think, to hopefully help reduce some of the fear you might have of that volatility, which most people have that fear of. So 877-235-9405 is the phone number. If you want to get on the program and ask your question, we'd love to hear from you. Otherwise, uh, and by the way, also, podcast, Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. We'll get that on a future radio show as well. We'll be right back. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for Talking Money. I am pleased to have Ronald Blue Trust as the sponsor of Talking Money. As a trust company with clients in all 50 states, Ronald Blue Trust can serve as trustee, backup trustee, or even personal representative, what we used to call the executor or executrix. This can be a valuable service, especially if you'd like to pass on your values and not just your valuables to your heirs. Your heirs will probably have one of two perspectives. Either they will say something like, what am I going to inherit? Which is usually the common perspective. Or they will ask, what is going to be entrusted to me? What talents will I be responsible to manage? Tim Kimmel, Director of Family Matters, said it well. Quote, you can't leave character to your trust account. You can't write your values into the will. You can't bank traits like courage, honesty, and compassion in a safe deposit box. What we need is a plan, a long-term strategy to convey our convictions to the next generation. Unquote. Estate and trust planning are about much more than saving taxes or simply making sure your assets get transferred efficiently to your children. You can find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com or 1-800-588-PLAN. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. And you're listening to Mike Miller. This is Talking Money. So glad you're with us today. We've been talking about retirement income and how the best ways to try to get that income without adversely exposing yourself to the risk of volatility or, more importantly, that stealth risk that we call the risk of loss of purchasing power that comes from the, the inflation prices going up for different things that we buy each and every day or maybe we buy every five or ten years as we buy a new car or we want to take a trip somewhere and all those prices go up. So we want to make sure that we have a good balanced approach. And one of the ways to do that is to have a, a, bucket, a bucket approach or at least a, a, an idea that it's a bucket. Even though you may not physically put your investments in separate buckets mentally, I think it helps if you keep them in different categories. So, And this is all to help you keep from thinking I've got to try to – uh, predict or react to the market. If I don't predict, instead of predicting or reacting, so prepare. And prepare your portfolio by putting money in different categories. So I've even had a number of clients over the years who I have told to put money just in a money market account. And sometimes the money markets were paying a lot higher than they are even today. But still, if you put that money in the money market account, you don't have the chance to make much money in that. But you're not going to lose the money. So in order to protect the portfolio that is in, in something that has more volatility to it, you have some money that is accessible that doesn't have that volatility, even though it won't make as much money when the markets go up. But it's there so that you can actually use that money if you need to. You can pull it off the portfolio as the portfolio is doing well. 
And when it's not, you simply go back to the, the money market accounts that you have at the bank or someplace else, the credit union, so that you can use that money so when the, the investments that are really intended to be more long-term investments are having some difficult times like they have recently, then you can leave those alone and invest in in some other part of your bucket. So you can have really you can divide it into multiple buckets. You might say short term, one to two years. That could be typically in investments that are very, very conservative. It could be short term bonds, it could be short term municipal bonds if you want to get tax free investments out of it. But it's really investments that aren't intended to make a lot of money but aren't going to have a lot of volatility to them. So that's there for emergencies that's there to pull off the portfolio it's money that you need and if you do that every couple of years so if you're using that for a couple for even now because your stock investments went down so and your bond investments aren't doing well so you get into your money market account you use that for three months four months six months whatever it is and then when stocks go back up the bonds start doing well again then you replenish that so that you're always trying to maintain somewhere in that six month to two year of a portfolio that's in something that's pretty fixed. And then the more risk averse you are, the more you get nervous and can't sleep at night with investments that are going up and down, the more you might put in there. So you might not say, well, I just need one to two years of my expenses in there. I want to put more than that in there because it just makes me sleep better at night. Understanding that you're, you're increasing your risk of loss of purchasing power. You've decreased your risk of volatility, but increased the other risk. That as long as you're comfortable with that and you can still handle that over some period of time, then that's okay. Intermediate term would be your next uh, bucket. So that intermediate bucket is going to be more of your high-quality, typically high-quality corporate bond-type investments. It could even be some dividend-type paying stocks and major stocks that that don't have much volatility, as much volatility to them, but at least pay a good dividend. Uh, part of it could be, depending on how much you put in your intermediate term bucket, but basically, it's going to be something that's three to nine years, two to ten years, whatever that time period is best for you. That say, okay, I know that if for some reason the stocks went down and stayed down for ten years, I've got enough money that's earning intermediate term type rates. It's not so conservative as the short term, it's, it, but it doesn't have as much volatility as the long term assets. I've got this intermediate term bucket that I know I can live off on if I had to for 10 years or whatever you're comfortable with. Maybe it's five years that you're okay with. But let's say as much as, no more than I would think nine or 10 years, you would want to have that much money in there. So they use your short-term bucket, your intermediate-term bucket. Then you're going to go to your long-term bucket. Now that's going to be, or maybe your ultra-long-term bucket. So those two buckets are going to have varying degrees of growth potential. So your ultra-long-term may say, well, I'm going to put money in that investment that's maybe uh, emerging markets that has a lot more volatility, but I think it's got better potential over a 15-plus year period. I'm not worried what it does over the next five years. You may not like it if it goes down, of course, but you're not worried about it for that five years because you feel like really that over a 15-year period plus, it's going to do much better than those investments. And you have to put up with some intermediate or some short-term volatility in order to get those longer-term better returns. And typically, those are the kind of investments that they, when they start going up, they go up like gangbusters. And, and if you're not already in them, you're going to miss a lot of the, the upturn. So that 
long-term bucket, which is not that ultra-long-term, but the long-term bucket, which is more of a 10 to 15-year, that's going to be a basic portfolio of, of stocks. So it's going to be um, small companies, mid-sized companies, growth, value stocks, international, uh, some international companies, uh, more the the um, uh, not the emerging markets, but the other international companies that are more established, uh, you would be in those. So those are those are what would be in your 10 to 15 year bucket because you're going to get typically if history repeats itself, and we think it will, that over that longer period of time you're going to get a lot better return in those investments than you would have in that short term or even that intermediate term bucket, and that helps you spread it out and that helps you. Prepare so that when this when the part that's in the long term or ultra long term goes down, hopefully you're not going to worry about that as much. There again, you don't have to like it, but you won't worry about it as much because you know you've got enough money in your short intermediate term buckets that's going to last you you up to 10 years. If it's going to last you up to 10 years, then the other money can just leave alone, and you have to almost really expect that it's going to go down like that because it really is going to go down. We don't know when, how much, or for how long. But it's it's going to go down. And so understanding that, then your expectation is there that it's going to go down so that you don't have a fear when it goes down. Oh, no, why did that happen? I wasn't expecting that. I'm going to panic and get out. Well, you know, you don't want to you don't want to do that for sure as well, because you got those basic three fears. And I've talked about them before. So you got the fear of missing out. So when the stock market is doing well, you're not getting as much as your neighbors or your coworkers. You got that fear of missing out, or you see the S&P 500 index going up. Well, you're not all in the S&P 500 index, and you have that fear. You, you just in the pit of your stomachs. Oh, I should be in there. I'm missing out on what's what uh, is happening in that return. That's one fear. Then you got a fear of loss. So if you have that fear of missing out and the fear of loss, which one's going to went out. So if you have that fear of loss, you can't invest in the stock market with a fear of missing out. And then all of a sudden when this, it goes down, your fear of which is stronger to you? Is your fear of loss stronger than your fear of missing out? And then your long-term strategies would be your fear of failure. So what are the odds that my portfolio is just not going to meet my needs, which I think is the most important one to look at. But unfortunately, you can't take care of all of these. So don't expect your financial advisor, your investment advisor to, to take care of all those. That's asking for a miracle. That's asking for godlike uh, plays in the markets to say, okay, yes, you're in a professional. You should have been able to get out of this particular stock or this mutual fund or this set of mutual funds. You should have been able to get out of them before they went down. Well, no one can do that. And if someone tells you they can, so if you're talking to a particular broker, and looking for a new investment advisor, and they tell you, yeah, we can do that. Look at our returns over the last X number of years. Well, you need to run away from them because they are not the right person to talk to because you are not going to get the right kind of of information from that person because they're telling you they can time the market. Well, unfortunately, it's about time to wrap up again today. So if you've got any questions or you really want to learn more about any of the topics I've covered on the program today or some other program you're listening to, then you can always uh, talk to your financial advisor, talk to your own tax attorney, talk to your own CPA, whoever your professional is that you speak with. Uh, but I believe, however, you should. Uh, it's important to work with an advisor who shares your values and your biblical worldview. There's just a difference. So for more information about that, you can call me, Mike Miller, 800-588-PLAN. That's 800-588-7526. Or send an email to Mike 
at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. That's all the time we have today. Have a great weekend.